Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 216 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Audra is an unconventional girl. She is here to shine light on what it looks like and her experience getting sober in her early 20s. She walks us through peer pressure, social anxiety, and how and why she chose sobriety for herself. This is a subject that is really near and dear to my heart because we have been getting a real big influx of younger women asking and inquiring and looking for guidance around their relationships with alcohol, especially in early 20s, you know, they're in high school, they're going into college, trying to navigate that whole scenario. And it's tough. This is such a fantastic episode. So let's get into it. Audra, how are you? I am doing very well. Very hot right now. I'm in North Dakota, but yeah. Oh, yeah? Yes. Yeah, it's like 90. Gosh, I think when I left my car was 93, just like a few minutes ago. So yeah, it gets really, really hot here and really, really cold. There's not really a nice temperature base. Right. Oh, wow. That's like you, you're already got a full on jumpstart on summer. Oh yeah. It's (laughs) it's gross. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am really excited to talk to you and have you on today because I found you on TikTok and I found your TikToks to be so, I mean, they're funny, obviously, but like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're just so honest and real. And I, I think one of your TikToks that really kind of uh, stood out to me was, you know, pictures of you looking like glamorous drinking, like this is what addiction looks like. And, you know, it's not it's not the typical or stereotypical, I should say, uh, visual of someone like stumbling down or blacking out. It's, you know, you look relatively normal. And like you kind of like had your mm-hmm. stuff together. So that being said, I would love to know how do you personally identify when it comes to your relationship with alcohol? Yeah, I'm a textbook alcoholic. I definitely okay. identify as an alcoholic. I mean, yeah, I, f- I feel like the big book was written for me. So okay, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's pretty hard to look at my drinking and not say that that is an alcoholic. So I, I personally do identify as that. Nice. Okay, cool. And how did you get to that conclusion? Like what did, what did life look like when you were drinking? Yeah, it was definitely like, not like a super long journey to understanding my alcoholism, but I mean, I started drinking at 16 and right away it was just immediate like obsession. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't really have trauma to drink over it was literally just like an innate thing in me to want to go crazy and so Mm -hmm. yeah I 
started to think my drinking was more problematic around the age of 20 because I started to develop hangovers and I'm like, okay, now I'm having some, you know, consequences. And I did have consequences prior, but nothing like physically that was like draining me. And I was starting to get mentally drained. I'm like, okay, let's try to, you know, slow things down. Let's try to factor in some healthier habits. And of course, as an alcoholic, I just was so unable to do that. And so, you know, I tried different methods to slow down. It just wasn't working. And then eventually I'm like, oh my gosh, like I have a serious problem with drinking, but I still wasn't like, I'm an alcoholic. And then finally it was like, okay, the alcohol is such a hold on me that I'm so scared that I'm never going to be able to quit drinking. And that's when I was finally able to be like, okay, I'm an alcoholic. But then I still had a relapse after my first time I got sober at 22 and I got sober for 14 months. And then I was, um, yeah, I just wasn't working a program. I wasn't doing anything for myself. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'm young and I need something to help me like get back to being me. Like I felt like yeah. that was my identity still. Like, even though I was an like in recovery, like I still identified as a party girl, as the fun girl. And so I still had like, even though I'd accepted I was an alcoholic, I hadn't accepted it. Like I knew I was, but Mm. I wasn't. So I kind of tried to like say, oh, maybe I'm not. And then of course it just crashed and burned both relapses. Finally, I'm like, you know what? That's it. Like I'm going to die. I'm definitely an alcoholic. Okay. Wow. And at such a young age, like how did you can we back it up a little bit and how did you even kind of come to terms or what was happening that you saw, okay, alcohol is an issue. Cause at, at such a young age, it's hard. It's hard to like figure that out because everyone else is kind of doing the same thing yeah. or it's expected of you almost. No, absolutely. And that's such a problem that I see going on to this day because I mean, for me, my family and my friends were able to identify that I had a serious problem with drinking at the age of 16. They're like, you are obsessed with this. Like you are changing your life so that you can drink all the time. You know, your grades are falling, like everything is just about alcohol. And Mm -hmm. so when I started to kind of like think maybe I have a problem around the age of 20, it was really, really hard for me to even come to terms with that or understand because like you said so many people are drinking that way it's such like it's weird to not black out it's also weird to not take shots it's weird to not be drunk it's weird to sip on your drink like that is just not a part of the culture at the age of 20 I mean maybe it is in some different countries or different friend groups but I think the consensus is like okay we're going to the club we're getting bottle service with random people and we're going to black out or go crazy And so I'm like, okay, I'm developing all these like internal problems and interpersonal problems in my life. Yeah. But like, I'm doing everything everybody else is. So why am I like having these problems? And it's almost like, why am I getting caught? Yeah. Everyone else is doing it. Why do I have to be different? Yeah. It felt like I had like a hex Mm. on me, literally. Like I was like, why am I the single person of this group that can't handle it? And so, yeah, it was very, very difficult. And I would definitely say that, that it, my illness progressed within alcoholism because of my age. Had I been, you know, maybe if I started to drink at 22 and then my drinking got really bad and I'm like, the age I am now, it might've been a little easier to identify. Cause you know, people start to get their stuff together more around the age of 25. Not always, you know, people still go out and drink a lot, but it's not as like 
cool to black out as you know at like 25 26 it becomes like okay maybe she has a problem so yeah it's not as socially acceptable as like say like teenager early 20s I guess yeah yeah so I think that age was like such a driving force into why I wasn't able to get sober sooner okay wow I mean it's it's tough because like I understand you know, drinking is wrapped up in so many parts of our, of our culture. And especially when we're young, right. We, we think like it's going to be the end of the world if we can't drink because we, it feels keyword feels, it feels like we're going to lose so much. And part of that is the connection with our peers. So what was alcohol giving you? Like, I hear you say that you were obsessed with it. What were you getting from alcohol? Yeah, the connectivity aspect, like you mentioned, is just such a large component as to why I love to drink. And, you know, there's like endless studies on the importance of connectivity and how that's just such a foundational element within our being. And so for me, I was like, I would get extreme FOMO. You know, I didn't know how to develop relationships outside of the partying era. And not only Mm. that, I really didn't want to. I feel like I get like... I just thrived on chaos and I wanted that chaotic lifestyle, but I didn't know how to channel that into like a healthier outlet. And so that was just like my main thing. And of course, then you have the addiction component too. That is just such a like driving force within your brain to like go crazy. So it was really just like the two parts of that, that were really, you know, playing off of each other. Yeah. So what happened? Like, what made you get sober? What what was that kind of turning point for you? At the age of 20, like I said, my hangover started to become like pretty bad. And then by 21, um, the first time I went to the ER for alcohol poisoning, I was actually 18. And then Mm -hmm. I went to the emergency room the first time, like January of I think 2018 was that year and I was 21 and it was for alcohol poisoning and then that year alone from January until October I went to the emergency room like eight to ten times and it was just like with each time it was so traumatizing for me because I wasn't like incoherent at that point like I was sober but like withdrawing like I would go through withdrawal and have Mm. DTs and so that was definitely like one of the driving forces, but that wasn't enough to get me sober. Like I still, like, I remember I literally rode in an ambulance and had to be sent to the emergency room because I was just like withdrawing so bad. And, um, I went out and drank two days later. And so it's just like, my addiction had such a strong hold on me that even the physical part of it couldn't stop. And then finally, um, on my 22nd birthday, I had already been like, I'd gone to a couple AA meetings and I'd re gone into a treatment center and then dropped out like the month before. And okay. I actually was waiting to get into Hazelden because they had a long wait list for the outpatient program. So I was kind of already in like that transition, but yeah. I just couldn't help myself. And so on my 22nd birthday, I went crazy, just like same kind of thing that I did all the time, got super drunk, blacked out, whatever. And so I woke up that day and I was still drunk and it was till 4 p.m. that I was drunk and then that started to wear off and I went and sat in my tub 
And I like always would sit in my bathtub when I was like having a terrible hangover because it would like calm me down a little bit, but Mm. I started just like breaking down and crying. And Mm. that was the moment where I was so scared for my life. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this alcohol, like this problem with alcohol is going to kill me. Like I either Mm. am going to end up taking my own life, not to be dark, but that was like my reality at the time, or this is going to kill me. And I need to get like severe help because I don't know myself anymore. Like I didn't recognize who I was and I was just like nothing, like literally everything about me was terrible. Like I felt terrible about myself. And so Mm. I went into treatment right after that. And I was able to get into Hazelden. I like called them. I'm like, Hey, like I seriously need to come in. Like this is not good. And I was able to get some help then. And so that's kind of like, it was basically just like a moment where I had to come to myself and be like, Oh my gosh, this is like, I don't know what's going on. Like I'm completely lost in life and I don't know myself. I mean, good for you for going there though. Like for realizing to, to build it, to build that self-awareness and be like, I'm lost. Yeah. I need help. I like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. It felt like, yeah. And a lot of people will be like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe you got sober so young. And to me, it is like pretty remarkable, but like at the same time, I also felt like I had no choice, like in my life, like it was seriously like die or go get help. And I'm so grateful that I feel like I had a higher power interfering in that moment and bringing me back to myself. And you know, I still relapsed twice after that. So to have such a like, yeah, low moment, like that was like my rock bottom moment. And to, you know, still like, think, oh, maybe I can drink again. Like, why am I putting something back into my life that has done nothing but take things away from me? Right. And I still did it, you know, so it's, um, it's a very insidious thing. Why do you think we go there? Because this happens, you know, like, over time, it's almost like, it's almost like a toxic ex, right? Like <laughs> you kind of forget, you get that text like, hey, thinking about you, you yeah. know, or like a craving. And you're like, oh, well, maybe they've changed or maybe I've changed or maybe like this can, we can start up again. <laughs> um, you know, we for, we forget, right? All the All the bad things because I think the good things or the things that we were getting, like our needs and wants, are so strong like they are needs and mm-hmm. those needs need to be met regardless yeah. um why do you think you you relapsed after treatment yeah mine definitely had several moving factors that were at play i was in a relationship that was extremely codependent and toxic and okay. on both sides like I definitely played my part in that yeah. and I kind of like that was my crutch like I always call him my human Xanax because yeah. at that time like I just was like oh you know after my six months at treatment I don't really need to go to AA I don't need to do the work and so I definitely wasn't like addressing the issues that I you know that led me to drink and yeah. um, I've later now been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder which I hadn't been diagnosed with yet. So it was, um, but I might've been able to be diagnosed had it been continuously going to therapy. I kind of just dropped out of everything. Didn't really want to address anything that was going on in my head. So Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you just 
you're in those vulnerable moments and you don't have that toolkit. And, you know, you think when you're doing good, you're like, I don't need to work on myself. I'm really happy. But then you go, yep. And you go down and you're like, wait, now what do I do? And so that was kind of like what led me to my relapse. Oh, totally. It's like when you're taking medication, you're like, oh, actually I'm feeling better. Like everything feels on the up and up. It's like, yes, because of the medication, (laughs) keep going, girl. Yes. And yeah, my um, ex actually has um, a mental condition where he needs to take his medication too. And he was the same way would be like oh I'm all okay again and I don't have to take it anymore but it's literally it's because you're taking the medication that it's working that it's working for you um thank you for for sharing your story I really I really appreciate that so how what did you do for yourself to do the work because a lot of people you know we say do the work but what does that actually look like for you because it's different for everyone Yeah. The first time when I went to treatment, it was actually my fourth treatment center, but this was the time like I actually wanted to go. The other times it was kind of just like parent involvement. You know, I was Mm. underage, so like you need to go. And so I, I was very like willing to do the work, but not fully. Like I still kind of had my route through it. They're like, okay, come to treatment every day, but you need to get a sponsor. And I was like, I'll go to treatment and not get a sponsor. And I'm not saying you have to get a sponsor to get sober because everybody has their own method. But um, yeah, when I relapsed after the second time, I was so desperate to do anything that I just listened to everybody. I was Mm -hmm. like a sponge ready to absorb everything. So I feel very grateful that I was so desperate to get sober that I'm just like, I will do literally whatever you tell me to do. Yeah. And what worked, what did was a sponsor your like answer? What it, what worked for you? Yeah, I went to therapy once a week. That okay. really helped. Um, my therapist was great. She was uh, helped with like my mental condition. And then she also helped with addiction. She was um, addiction therapist as well. So we nice. were able to go through the steps as well in that program. And she really understood, you know, triggers and everything along that line. So I always recommend if you are, you know, first getting sober, if it's a feasible option for you to get a therapist that doubles as an addictions therapist. And then I was going to like five to six AA meetings a week. It might sound excessive, but like I really needed it. And it was in 2020. So everything was online during the pandemic. I got an online sponsor. I was working out and then I didn't go around. I wasn't around any drinking for six months. Like I sheltered myself. I was in a new relationship at that point. So I really just kept my circle extremely small until I'm like, I'm ready because there was no way I could have gone out to even like a dinner and seen people drinking with wine and not wanted to drink. Right. Yeah. I think it's important to know, you know, what works for you. And it's not to say that like, this is going to be your life forever. It's literally just building this foundation, right? Like getting the stability, getting this trust back in yourself, you know, it, it, I do believe like, you know, you kind of need to, you need to take a step back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you really need to like, listen to yourself and listen into like what you need right now. And most yeah. of the time, it's not going to be around alcohol. No. Yeah. And it's, it's so hard because I think so many people, I especially get a lot of messages, people saying like, I want to get sober, but like, what am I going to do for fun? Like, how right. am I going to do this? And for me, like, 
I don't want to be like, oh, it's not fun getting sober. But at the same time, I had to be really disciplined. Like I had to yeah. really not focus on fun. I had to focus on me and it's like small sacrifices. And like you said, it's not yeah. forever. Like after six months, I was fine. I could go to concerts. I could go do things and I could yeah. go live my life again. And I, but like, I needed to remove myself and really have time to, you know, fight through the FOMO, fight through all that. Like it is really yeah. difficult. And some people have a really seamless entry into sobriety, but some people it's hard work, but at the end of the day, it's, it's so much more worth than continuing down the path that you're on. Totally. I love how everyone's so concerned about the fun factor. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, how often are you supposed to be having fun? Like, why is there so much pressure on fun? Yeah, it's, it's around alcohol. Like, oh, you just assume because there's alcohol that is going to be a fun event or occasion. That's not even true. (laughs) No. And it's like, at that point in your addiction, especially if you're contemplating getting sober, like, are you really having fun? And maybe people still are, but like, I was not like, there was nothing fun about my addiction. So it's like, yeah, Mm. why is that such an important thing? If like, you're contemplating getting sober? I also find that a little. Yeah, I mean, but like, if you're truly like looking for fun, and like, I'm talking about like organic fun, like you can literally find that shit anywhere. Yes, like you can. Yeah, it's hilarious to me. I get, especially from my hometown in Fargo, because there's such a big drinking culture here. People are like, oh my God, you don't drink. Like, what do you yeah. do? I'm like, seriously, anything. Like, I do way more now than I ever did when I was drinking. Like, all yeah. I did when I was drinking was go and drink and go be around, like, <laughs> loud rooms. <laughs> yeah, it's just so funny. It's like redefining fun. And I personally, I don't, I don't know about you, but like, being able, like, having trust just the factor of trust like in yourself and like being able to know yourself and like trust your intuition or trust signals that you get that I feel allows for fun to just naturally occur because if there's trust there naturally I think fun will just evolve it'll just kind of show up Yeah. And I love what you said, like by redefining fun, I think that is such a a natural thing that starts to happen. Like you, you start to find self-development fun. You start to find going on walks fun, like things that you used to be like, oh my gosh, it's so boring. Like you just one day are like, wow, I really enjoy this. So for, for somebody like looking to get sober, this sounds like absolutely excruciating because it did to me for sure. (laughs) But yeah, but we're also so used, like when you're drinking, you're jacked up, right? It is like major, major highs, major, major lows. It is an extreme roller coaster. So of course, naturally, like something that's just waving in the middle, as opposed to like these huge peaks and valleys is like snooze, snooze fest. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. But it's not. No, and people also, there's this thing that we learned, like pause post-acute withdrawal syndrome, where your body takes six to 24 months sometimes from like recovering from like benzos or alcohol for your dopamine and GABA to start producing normally. It's not that Mm. they're not going to produce, but it's like, you literally need to heal your brain. So you might not be having those fun emotions because you've been depleting it 
for yeah. so long and you've been rewiring your brain. So you really have to give your body time to get back to its natural state. And totally. I think that deters so many people. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm like three months in, but I'm still so on edge, you know, like mm. it's, it's definitely a journey and not a race, but at the same time, it's not going to take forever. Like you're going to start to feel better inevitably. Yeah. And everybody's different. Like I said, some people are like, it just like clicks right away and they just feel great. So yeah, definitely. I mean, I kind of feel that way. I mean, uh, well, not right away. I mean, <laughs> it took me like a good, like 10 years to really like find the value in sobriety, but I feel like once you do, and you're more accepting of like, okay, I think I've been wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think I've been doing this in a way that is not right for me personally. Yeah. And admitting that to yourself is like the hugest step to just possibility and freedom and, and just be like, okay, if this path isn't working, right? If drinking isn't working, how can we pivot? How mm. can we open up? What else is out there? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. It's it's definitely just trying to learn about yourself because we're essentially yeah. like running ourselves when we're putting any substance down our bodies continuously. Yeah, for sure. So I want to ask you, you know, after all these experiences, relapses, going to treatment, getting sober, when did you decide to put this on social media? And what was, um, what was that like the catalyst to get that ball rolling? Yeah, when I first got sober at 22, I did not tell anybody, like maybe okay. a couple close friends knew I was going to treatment and family. That was it. Yeah. I actually still kept going out to a lot of like events where drinking was going on, even the club sometimes, because I still wanted to be social. And like, I didn't, like, I had so much social anxiety that I didn't know how to make, go make new friends. And so mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I'll just be the sober one at the club. And it was not fun. <laughs> it was not fulfilling. And I would tell people I'm just not drinking right now. So people would still kind of be like, oh, well, you can have a drink. And, you know, I yeah. was just not being honest with anybody about it and so I think that also started to like subconsciously play in my brain like oh you know yeah. like I can do this and so like I said that was definitely another part to my relapse and then after my two relapses I'm like okay this is a large part of why I relapse like I need to just tell everybody mm -hmm. like that I have a problem so I impulsively went on Instagram I'm like look I have a serious problem with drinking. I relapsed over the pandemic twice. Like I am going to be okay. But like, I just want everybody to know that like, if you have a problem with this, so do I. Like, I just felt like I was being so fake on social media. And mm. it's not that I was like intentionally being fake. It's just kind of what you do. You post your highlights, you post this. And right. I felt like I was living this lie. Like people are like, oh my gosh, you're traveling. You're living your best life. You're partying. And I'm like, I am the most miserable I've ever been. Oh. And so it was like, yep, I'm just going to share this online. And then I had so many people write to me like, oh my gosh, like I've been sober for this long yeah. or I want to get sober or, you know, something along the lines of like, this is so great. I'm so glad you shared this. And then I really wanted to continue sharing that when I was ready. So I would like intermittently like update and be like, oh, you know, three months sober, like, you know, share like a sobriety post and then 
once I was a year and a half, I'm like, okay, I really feel confident in myself right now to start sharing my story online. And I think that like, it can help other young women because like we talked about, there was just like, it's not understood at that age that like you can quit drinking. And now I think there's so many sobriety influencers, so many young women still online, even though it's still not like common more than ever we are seeing young women go online and sharing their experiences. And so I never had that like back in 2018, when I first got sober, like that wasn't even a thing. And even like beginning of 2020, it wasn't as big of a thing. So I am glad that I have been able to be a part of that and continuing on that conversation, excuse me, conversation to like destigmatize addiction and that, um, yeah, it's just been like a really fun thing for me. And keeps me sober as well as connects me to so many amazing people. Oh, I love that. Like it just, it feels so good when you get those messages, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it's, it's affirming for you as, as much as it is for them. Right. That yeah, like, really you're not alone. They're not alone. We're all not alone. We're all in this together. Right. Yeah. And it, it's so strange to me now as like, you know, continuing on this journey and to like, look back at that and also see like, it's so weird that it's like not common to say, oh, I have a problem with this or like see drinking as being like mm-hmm. a problem for so many people. The fact that we're like normalizing it is just so strange to me that that's not the norm. So, yeah, well, I think you know, typically, I I mean, I don't know about you, but like growing up, you know, people who had issues with alcohol or drugs were bad. Like Mm -hmm. they were labeled as bad people, like people who like can't control themselves or people who were homeless or people, you know, who, yeah, it was like the worst association ever. So admitting that like, I had a problem with that or anyone having a problem with that it it just is a bit sticky or it feels yeah. a bit sticky no it that is so true it's so it's so sad that it is kind of that narrative and I think a lot of people yeah. still think that and I know people too like in my hometown like it's really still weird to get sober like oh you have a problem with drinking because you're getting sober like okay. What I don't know. It's just, it doesn't correlate in like a making sense way, but yeah. 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 But it's so nice and it's so refreshing to see young women like yourself who are out there, like who are talking about it, who don't have any shame and who are encouraging other women to not feel shame as well. Like that, this is like the name of the game, right? Like to, to not, not only normalize it, but just introduce these conversations yes right like we're not we're not here converting people no and even if it's not a life or death situation for somebody who wants to get sober it's a quality of life situation Mm. you know like do you want to have a life where you're not constantly hungover or like worried about this like just removing that kind of association and the shame with it is going to be so helpful for people. And I think it's becoming so much more trendy to get sober, which I love. Yeah. I see in cities, especially New York, they seem to have so many just um, like 
low alcohol or no alcohol parties and people really just like learning to like go back to it sounds so cliche but like your inner child and just finding that youthfulness within you and you'll be able to have fun like I really think that channeling that is a good way to like enjoy your life totally it's also like a sense of innocence in a sense like you know like it it's pure which is Mm -hmm. so nice (laughs) because especially with the internet like nothing feels real it I know we're we're kind of connected because it's like this false sense of connectiveness but like it's muddy and I like I personally like being at like sober events or being um like I was just at a a beach party and no one was drinking and we were literally playing like cornhole and like beach games and like it was like you said we were like children right we were just but it was so innocent and just nice yeah I I know it is it just feels like right like you feel human again yeah but also it's so fulfilling like Mm -hmm. it feels like okay my cup is like super full after like attending that like things like that or like having connections like that like they are very nourishing yeah and you're really yeah you're not really harboring a connection when you're incoherent you know you might think oh I'm dancing around everybody but it's like for me superficial man yeah I was just trying to get to the next shot you know it's like oh the three seconds that it hits and then I'm just trying to recreate that feeling then just lights out yeah um if you had any advice to someone who's maybe listening to this who is younger or is thinking about starting uh, their sober journey, what piece of advice would you give them? Yeah, I would say just be okay with being scared. Like be okay with Mm. putting yourself in a situation that feels uncomfortable because if you're already like contemplating getting sober, you probably are going to attempt it eventually. And why like put off the inevitable why Mm. live in that fear because I lived in that fear for so long and then I lived in that fear within recovery and it didn't lead to anything good like none of that was like none of that helped me be happy and like our goal is to like be happy and enjoy our lives right so yeah just like try to remove that shame and it's so much easier said than done and like I feel like Mm. my confidence has grown just so much within recovery naturally I had no confidence at that age like i had like no identity outside of drinking and I had no way to like build myself up so it was really like when you took alcohol away from me you were taking like me like that Mm -hmm. like I was nothing so yeah I guess just like don't be scared or be scared like if you're just do it yeah be scared and do it anyways yeah amazing Audra where can we find you on the world wide web Yes. So I'm on Instagram as girl unconventional and then TikTok, same girl unconventional. And then I also have a website that you can like send me any messages. Also feel free to DM me. Um, but my website is girlunconventional.com. Awesome. And where did the name girl unconventional come from? 
Yeah. So uh, my mom, she's always telling me like, oh, you're, you live such an unconventional life. Like you're always doing things like different than anybody else. Like I'm, it's not like I'm totally doing things different than anybody else, but like different than the norm. And I grew up in such like a, okay, we're going to be so conventional. And so, yeah, that's kind of where the unconventional part came from. And then I was just like, oh, I love the movie Girl Interrupted. Yes, it's dark. Yes, it's, you know, I'm probably not going to watch it all the time. But uh, yeah, I just kind of combined the two. So I'm like, oh, it kind of sounds similar. And yeah, it just sat with me. Cute. That's so funny because I was literally thinking uh, Girl Interrupted. Yes. Like with that name, I'm like, oh, that kind of reminds me of this. Yeah. And I think too, just like, you know, getting sober in your early twenties is like unconventional. And then, yeah. yeah. So I, it, yeah, it seemed to work well. Oh, I love it. Well, Audra, thank you so much for sharing your experience and your knowledge with us. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. This is a really great conversation. How fantastic is Audra? I just love that she is advocating for sobriety and changing your relationship with alcohol, especially for our young women today. Love to see that. As always, please make sure to rate, subscribe, and share this episode. Sharing is caring. If you think that someone needs to hear this episode, please hit that share button. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at a sober girls guide and head to a sobergirlsguide.com. We have your back at any stage of your journey. Whether you're looking for community with our sober girls social club, for self-paced exercises, worksheets, to our foundational program group coaching. We got your back at any stage of your booze-free journey. Head to a sober girls guide now. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.